This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing that. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky, wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. And your suffering will be legendary even in hell. <laughs> it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, our introductory show tonight features our Grindhouse Pizzeria, which is dedicated to all things Grindhouse and exploitation. Whether it's extra cheesy or loaded with meat, you'll always get a belly full of hot, nasty goodness. Come on in, pull up a chair and grab you a slice. You're not safe anymore. With every hour, 163 people become victims of assault. You live at the mercy of the animals who inhabit every city at a time when 65 people are murdered each day and 12 women are raped every minute. It's time to take a stand. Their numbers are growing and you must wage a war to stop them. Vigilante, rated R. Alrighty, folks, welcome once again to a long gestating episode of Grindhouse Pizzeria, where you're always free to pull up a chair and grab yourself a slice of cheesy goodness. And we have one for you this weekend that's not quite cheesy, but man, it is chock full of meat, I guess you could say. We're going to be reviewing and dissecting the 1982 Vigilante, directed by William Lustig. This was his follow-up to Maniac, and what a follow-up it is. And joining me this weekend is my good friend and cohort in crime, Tommy Cake, Tom Commissar. How we doing? We're doing great. Hello, America. Glad to be here with you. Yeah, we've, we've both been busy. We haven't had a chance to record here in quite a while, so I was glad the stars aligned first to be able to review this, to have enough time to sit down and watch the movie and actually review it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, yeah, when I saw that this was available on Tubi, I thought, well, this is a perfect flick for us to be able to tap into without either one of us having to spend any additional monies this week to, to rent yeah. anything or to buy anything, you know, although I have like 1,800 movies in my collection, not counting, oh, God, everything that's not on DVD and Blu-ray, <laughs> but... <laughs> Sometimes it starts hitting the old pocketbook when you realize, like, I got, like, 1,800 Blu-rays and, like, 600 VHS and 800 Laserdiscs. Like, I, I don't need to be buying anything else. I don't need to buy anything else for a while. Well, you know what? It's nice. Uh, sometimes you know you have the movie. But, like, like, I've got, like, all my movies in one room now. You know, but it's, like, still, sometimes you got to hunt for it. Like, I don't, I don't have them all, like, in order and certain things. So sometimes it's, like... Oh, cool! I can just pull it up and watch it, you know. And if it's free, that makes it even better. I can just watch it. I don't have to go find it. <laughs> right, know, it, right. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I get like that too. And I, I just started to organize everything by type, you know, from DVD to Blu-ray, alphabetical order. And now like my living room, I've, I've been organizing them off and on for like a week. And my living room is just stacks of stuff on card tables and Blu-rays right. and box sets and everything. It's just, it always ends up looking a lot less organized before you finish. Oh yeah, of course. Stacks of goodness, stacks of memories and money, but it's great. It's good stuff. Like how many many hours I put (laughs) into cultivating that collection, just uh, in hours put in at work for it. (laughs) I love I love having physical things that can hold, like you know, records or you know, DVDs, CDs, you know, cassette tapes. You know, I love I love having it. You know, it's cool to be able to get online and, and and look and look at stuff because. There's a lot of stuff out there that you could just pull up, you know, with the fingertip in two seconds, and that's a nice thing to have. But I like I like owning it, you know. I like having it in my hand. I like being able to open it up and look at it, and so it's nice to have, you know. It's nice the collection. I know my wife thinks otherwise. And, uh, <laughs> what, what oh, I'm sure for? every time I bring home a new <laughs> batch of Blu-rays, or I'm like, hey, honey, guess what? I just won. I just won a like collection of another sixty laser discs. He's like, huh, right. great. <laughs> Where are we going to put all this shit? I'm sure yeah, she's where are you so put excited. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Like, oh, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least this one I didn't have to buy another one. I already own two copies of it. <laughs> yeah, I got I got movies like that where, like, I thought I lost it or something happened. I I buy another one because, you know, I see it on sale somewhere, and I go, fuck it, I'm going to buy another one. And then I, you know, two days later, I find the other one. So I got, like, uh, I know I got two or three copies of Dazed and Confused. You know, like, you know, because, like, my son borrowed it at one point, and I didn't have it, and then it, it miraculously reappeared. And uh, I don't know. So, yeah, I've got, a, I've, I've got a couple of movies I've got a couple of copies of. <laughs> oh, I got ones I've, like, anytime there's a new version, if it's got anything new to it, if it's got a new commentary, one little snippet of a behind-the-scenes yeah. clip or anything, I'll, I'll buy it. I'll, I'll yeah, I'm, it. I'm, I'm, me too. You got me hooked. I'll find one little thing on it. One little thing that's different than the other one I got. It's, you know, and it's in a bin for five bucks. You, I'm, oh, that's going to my car. You know, like, you know, I'm buying yep. that sucker. Yep, no doubt. Well, let's get off into this one. There's a lot of nostalgia and memories of watching this one uh, <laughs> when I was younger, catching it on Cinemax. No, actually, it was probably Showtime, but anyways, uh, we'll get right off into the IMDb synopsis uh, for 1982 Vigilante is after his wife and son are brutalized by thugs in a corrupt criminal justice system puts the perpetrators back on the street a new york city city factory worker turns vigilante to find some measure of bloody justice and yeah that's a pretty fair representation of it i mean the the person in question is robert forrester's character eddie marino yeah God, the, the hell that his character goes through in this movie. A lot of people like to co- to compare this a bit to um, Death Wish, which, you know, it does bear some resemblance to it. You know, it came out many years after it. But I, I feel much more, more sympathy, I guess you could say, for Robert Forrester's character in this movie than, than I did, you know, for initially for Charles Bronson's character in Death Wish. I think these movies, you know, they're like romance novels, you know, I mean, there's like, there's like, they're going to have a lot of similarities, it's going to be a lot of the same stuff, 
vigilante, you know, revenge movies, vigilante. It's going to be a lot of the same stuff. Somebody really fucked you over real bad. You know, obviously it's going to be somebody in your family. If it's a guy, you know, they're going to get his wife and kid. Something's going to happen. There's going to be, and it's, and there's, and you could look at similarities, but so what, you know what I mean? It's like, to me, that's right. the good for a story. It's like these fuckers, you know, you're a good dude or whatever. You're a good person. You, man, you're just a, one of the working Joes doing your shit and minding your own business. And these fucking scumbags fuck you over. And, you know, and it's like, it's a perfect setup for a really satisfying, you know, uh, events as it goes on. Cause you really do, you know, you, you get fucked over by these guys and you just can't wait. That's the cool thing about it. You can't wait for, you know, the, you know, the shit to hit the fan where the dude's had enough and, you know, these fuckers are going to get their comeuppance, you know, they're going to get it, you know, and that's what, that's why you like them, you know, that's the payoff. Yeah, it's you about know? everyday people, every an everyday man just being pushed to the, the edge of their sanity, the edge of their limit, yeah. and I, I love the opening with, uh, Nick's character talking, it almost appears like he's talking to the audience. Do you realize he's talking to this underground group of guys? Right. You know, basically saying, you know, they shoot a cop in our city, they don't even think twice about it. You know, you can't uh, walk down the street at night, you know, to grab a pack of cigarettes. You know, how much grief are we going to stand for? Not that I'm standing up for vigilantism at all, but I understand the sentiment, you know, of it, of being. But he's fed up with the prosecutors, he's fed up with the, the prison system, the police. And what a better per, per person to cast in this role than Fred the Hammer Williamson. I'm, I've always been a big fan. And he looks slick in this movie. His be beard is trimmed just perfectly. You know, his, his, he's wearing his dress leathers, always dressed to the nines. And a bit of trivia that I have to get off into a little bit of, bit of trivia here at the beginning is... He supplied his own uh, wardrobe because uh, I was like, man, he sure looks exceptionally slick in this movie. I'm like, oh, he set himself up. <laughs> he oh, set yeah, himself he just, up to look good. Well, you know what? That's I mean, you, uh, that's it's always a treat watching Fred Williamson on screen and the way they started this movie out. You know, with him, just it opens up with him and he's kind of like setting up the movie, like what they're why they're doing what they're doing. And it's great because yeah, it is kind of like he's talking to us. But he's talking to this, the people that live in his neighborhood, and he's kind of setting up, you know, like what, why they're doing what they're doing, and and yeah, I gotta admit, man, uh, I like when they were doing close-ups on his face, I was admiring his beard, <laughs> like the way it was trimmed. I kept saying, God, that looks cool. Like I would like to have a beard like that with the the patch right below, you know, right below the bottom lip, and just yeah, I wish I could trim my shit to look quite know, that I, good. I my, my stuff always looks patchy. Right, I was like, man, I wish I could look that good. I can't make my goatee look that good. My wife always says it looks off center and all fucked up. And I'm like, man, is he? Yeah, he looks great in this. I mean, he looks like a bad motherfucker, and he looks slick as hell. And uh, it's great watching him. I, he's, I mean, he's definitely, you know, really a lot of the fun watching this movie. It's, yeah, uh, and he's got that great line at the end, and he's like, "This is your city. You got to take it back. You right. dig? Take it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that. It's shit like that. It's perfect. It's the perfect. Casting him in that role was a great idea, you know. That was like, yeah, that's that's the dude who's gonna play it. You could have got a lot of people, but nah, it was he was awesome. It's always great to watch him in the movie. So, the, go ahead. No, I was gonna say like it, it's just the perfect opening, and then you you see all of them doing their, you know, target practice, and right. 
Yeah, you just you just know some shit's gonna get wrecked in this movie. But that's a great shot too, because when they cut to it, they're all on the line and they all just start firing their weapons. It's like, oh, okay, this is gonna be good because it's already set up. They don't. They're already there. You know, this gang of, of this counter gang uh, of vigilantes is ready to go. They're already busy, you know, so it's, it's cool. And then they set up, you know, the first, you know, set up to get you pissed off. This poor woman, you know, she comes home or, you know, she's in her apartment. Typical New York. It's, you know, the sleazy, dirty, filthy streets of New York. And, uh, uh, and uh, she's coming and she's, you know, Probably many a woman's fear, even dudes getting in an elevator by yourself, you know, in a building, you know, and you know, and the, all of a sudden this, and then this course, this they don't, they don't fail to deliver. This creep walks in with a cap on his yeah. standing he, there. He's like, yeah, you, know, you just know bad shit's gonna. And I love how everything is played silent. There's no dialogue between right. either one of them, and there's no music. Everything is just the hum of the of the elevator, the click of their heels on on the you know, the linoleum and whatnot, all done very silent. I, I liked how that was choreographed. Yeah, and, and and what's cool about it, too, is you just you just want to punch this motherfucker in the face right off the bat because, you know, he's just staring at her. And, you know, you know he's loving. You could tell he's loving every minute of it, of her, like, freaking out, in, you know, in, inside, like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And, of course, you know, what happens is exactly what you think is going to happen. He grabs yeah. her. And grabs her, puts a knife to her throat, drags her to what the the rooftop, if I remember it's like right. The it's pretty dark, but it looks like the rooftop. The skyline is in the background, and he drags her up there, and and then they don't really show it, but you assume that he is getting ready to rape her. Um, but he de- definitely kills her. Uh, they don't yeah. show, but it's a setup. It's a good setup uh, because uh, yeah, they kind of really sa- save the kind of more. Um, I guess you could say de- detailed violence for the midway through the movie that they kind of set everything up with this scene, but they're, they're, you know, they're showing you without showing you. Right. There's yeah. It's a good setup because you're like, you motherfucker, you know, like you're already like, you fuck, but it's cool because the way they got it, the way, the way they work the scene is, uh, uh, the, you know, they show like later on there a few, a few minutes later, they show him running down the steps and, you know, he's like trying to get out of there as fast as he can. And he's like, you know, just running as fast as he fucking can down the steps. And then there's an old lady. There's an old lady that kind of sees him running down the steps. She gets a look at him and then she like rushes back inside her apartment and slams the door and locks it. So, so that kind of a cool, you know, it kind of goes a little farther than that. And in just a second is what they do is that's that, uh, that dude then fucking thinks he's slick, thinks he got away with it, and they got a thing the next day where, you know, the cops are showing up. It's the next morning, early morning, and they're showing up to find out what's going on. You got the uh, you got the lady, you got Williamson and the guy, a couple of the guys from the vigilante guys. They're kind of hanging out on the corner, and and uh, they're in a van. That's right. They're, yeah, they're, they're, the yeah, they're cruising in the van, yeah, and yeah. they had... And, Talked with the lady, uh, and they were they were looking for the guy. You know, they were, were going off of her description of him. Well, what's cool is is when uh, the police are talking to him. She's kind of like going along, but she's not. She knows who this guy is, but she's not talking to the cops. She's like, yeah, yeah, and you're cooperating. And then it's later on when they when when the vigilante guys 
get a hold of her to talk to her. She's like right away, like, yeah. Because you see the asshole in the morning. He's talking to a couple guys, and he thinks he's cool. You know, and he's standing there, like, you know, thinks he's got away with it. And she's in the van looking, because that's him, you know, pointing him out. Is that him? Yeah, that's him, you know. So she points him out to the fucking local vigilantes, Fred Williamson's crew. And it's like, oh, all right, cool, you know. So she, so they don't fuck around. She gets out, and then they get right out of the van. They come up the motherfucker. And, I, and they just scoop him right off the street, right in front of his 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 buddies and everything. And Fred the Hammer Williamson whips out some of his awesome but not so awesome kung fu techniques, you know. Right. And uh, they fucking get his ass. And they basically, it's kind of cool because you can see that happen in New York. Like nobody's going to say anything because they're not covered up or anything. It's not like they have masks on. They just grab him like, fuck you, you're coming with us. And they force this guy into a van. And then they haul off. And uh, they take him away. So they don't show that. But uh, you find out a little bit later that they, they in fact, find the guy. Um, and uh, they, had, you know, they find him in a ditch somewhere or something. And they had killed him. Yeah, yeah. Fred, Ham, Fred the Ham Williamson and his crew it had, had killed him. But, you know, that is with his arms and legs broken and his head bashed in. And right, he's right. all tore up. Like, they don't show the actual act. But you know it was them. Um, just you know, it was them just as much as you know that this guy was the one that murdered the girl. You just know knew it happened, right? So it was yeah, that was the first kind of a cool like, all right, right on. They you know they got him, and then we break. We go to uh, it shows. Uh, now we get to see um, Robert Forrester. We set up his life. He's actually playing with his son. They've got they uh, they got a big like remote control airplane. And they're playing in a park. Um, by the bridge and the water, and it's really nice. He's with his wife, and they're having a great time, just kind of hanging out, you know, kissing on his wife, and the boys running around with the plane, and everything's oh, cool. And, and everything's so good. The, the wife and him and her are both so happy, and the kid's so happy with his his little remote-controlled plane, and they're, it's almost picture-perfect family, you know, considering what we've been introduced to so far, you know, in, in this movie. But you just know it's that their happiness is going to be broken. You know, you know it's going to be short lived. Damn it! Right, and you do because you're like, oh, here it is, man. This is the this is the guy. It's it's just going to get fucked. He's going to get fucked over. But they show him, and they show him going to work. I like the scene when they're showing the guys welding, and they do the pan by, and the one guy's got his goggles up on his forehead, looking right at the fucking sparks. I was like, yeah. yeah. I know you wanted to be recognized in the film, but <laughs> put your goggles on. But anyway, so it's pretty cool. So, you know, he, that's when yes, Fred. Like, like a buddy of ours used to say, safety third. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so anyway, that's a bunch of the guys from the gang. The main dudes are there and they're all working. And, you know, Fred, uh, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, 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 Robert Forrester knows uh, that he's works with these dudes. They bring him in to fix something or whatever. So they're all chums. And then it goes to a, a uh, it goes to a gas station scene, and this is where you find it's a typical car pulls up in the gas station, and there's a guy named Rico. Rico is the um, leader of uh, this gang, and he's got a couple of his thug buddies in with the car with him, and he's just you know you can tell this guy's a real douche. He's got a beret on and sunglasses, and his he just off. looks like trouble right from the yeah, and, you know they, they just, he's got his little gang uh, denim gang jacket on with the sleeves cut off and then he goes in 
poor this old guy is helping him out. It's like an old mobile station or whatever. And this guy's um he puts ten bucks in the tank and he basically tells the old man, the old man wants the money, and he gets out and he basically says, you know, I ain't got it. And he goes to get in the car and the old man starts, Hey, you punks, you know, giving yeah. him right, you know, like you, you know, you know, and so Rico, the scumbag, grabs this poor old guy and he starts soaking him with gasoline. Now, what you find out is that um, uh, Robert Forrester's wife, Nick, is his character, Nick. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Eddie Marino, Eddie. Yeah. Eddie, Eddie Marino, he, Mrs. Marino and the boy, they're in this gas station. And uh, so she, she, she goes to help the she old man. She was just there to get, her, to get in the car looked at, wasn't she, getting it yeah. fixed? Yeah, she was there on business doing that, and she happens to notice. So she runs out. She runs out to help uh, the old man, and she basically tells you know Rico what the fuck's up. You know, leave the dude alone. And he says something. I, I, oh, when, when she slaps him, like I was oh, like, yeah. that's it. Yeah, like well, he starts poking at her with the gas nozzle right. and stuff, poking her and pushing her away, and she like backhands him or slaps him. I can't well, remember which. Yeah, she walks up, slaps him. Because, you know, he's like, she ain't putting up with this punk, you know. So she walks up and slaps him and knocks his glasses off his face, his sunglasses. So he right away, he's, you know, he's fucking, so, I mean, you know right then. So they, yeah, that's sealing their fate. That's that's sealed her fate, Eddie's fate, everybody's fate in this movie. Now, what's, what happens is the cops are just doing, running up the street just on regular patrol. And one of the thugs in the car is like, like, hey, Rico, you know, whatever. We got to get out of here. So they get in the car, act like nothing's happening, and they split. And, of course, they know who she is now, so they're going to find out where she lives and all that good stuff. Uh, what was it? Go to, they go to, uh, now it's back to, I think it's after work, or it's either work or a lunch break. And, um, and Yeah, uh, it's something like that, but they're going to the their little corner dive bar, which I yeah, and and they're and so they're they're having some drinks, and I think Eddie needs one some coffee, and the guy you know he tells him like ah go up to whatever to get your coffee you know whatever. So anyway, so they're all kind of hanging out, and they're watching the TV, and it's just a little bit of small talk, and then we've got uh, what's it the Paul uh, what is it is he the mayor? It's the mayor and the mayor one of the mayor's assistants. Right. Yeah, and the mayor's assistant will come into play much later on. You know, he's basically telling how, you know, these guys can't ever get their hands dirty because, you know, they're clean white-collar criminals. Right. Yeah. yeah so Nick is very – yeah, Nick is where Eddie's going to be much later on. He's already there. He's right. already been damaged by this kind of broken and, system uh, that they have going on. Yeah, and so and so it's, it's a setup where you know that this – this politician, this scumbag politician's behind a lot of this crime in the city and then stuff. And, you know, Nick, Nick ain't having it. He knows what's up with this fucker. So they're kind of watching him. And, uh, you know, so that's, so now we know, okay, here's our, here's, this is going to be the real, the main villain here, this fucker, one of them anyway. And yeah, uh, at least going to be, at least Mr. Big. Right. He's going to be right. He's the nucleus of all the, you know, why all the drugs are on the street. So they're kind of checking him out and and talking a little bit about him, uh, and then uh, we got uh, was it Mrs. Marino and the and, and the and the son. Uh, they get. Yeah, home. I think the son's name is Scott, if I remember. Yeah, Scott, Scott, Scott. Yeah, he's the he's the little dude, and they go up and they're home now. And uh, so I think 
then that's that some then she look out and see them drive by or something or something the the back. yeah she she looks outside and sees that they they're cruising by and actually have stopped and parked right outside the house and are just staring her house down right so she, right and, and she so calls now, she calls the police and of course what do they do they do absolutely nothing yeah it's a typical deal like they're not doing anything right now there's nothing we can do right right wait till they're killing you and then call us <laughs> you know so. They're not. They don't have any. They don't have any squad cars really come by. The guy kind of tells her, "Yeah, you know, we get somebody freed up. We'll have them swing by." And but they're not doing shit. So, um, so she's out of luck, and she's, uh, I think. And then was it? I don't know if. Uh, I don't know if she tries because no way. There's no way for her to get a hold of uh, Eddie. And, well, yeah, because uh, this is you know 1982. Right. There are, is no real None of this stuff. So cell there's phone. no. There's, so she's on her own. I mean, she's literally, there's nobody, there's really nobody to help her. And then they cut back and forth. She's at home. Uh, they're in the, the fellers are in the bar still uh, on their break. And then there's a cop that comes in. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I totally forgot he was in this. This was uh, Steve James. Yes. The great and, uh, Steve, Steve cool. James Kung Fu Joe from I'm Going to Get You Sucker. And, right. and, and another one that we reviewed, uh, the, uh, oh gosh, what the heck was it? What was that movie? Yeah, he was the, uh, the, the when executioner. They up... No, no, no. executioner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that was. Yeah, that was him. And uh, well, it's cool because he's he kind of knows what's up. Like you know, they know. Like he comes up to Nick, and it's kind of like it's almost like he's warning him. Like you know, you guys, you know, basically letting them know that. Uh, well, that they you know let them know that they found that the guy that they. They killed and whatnot, you know, in the empty lot or whatever it was. Right, and he knows what they're doing. He he's got them figured out. Like you know, if you, you know, he's basically warning them that you know, you hey, you got a problem, you get hold of us, you know. And then basically, Nick sets him straight. Like you know, you know, you we ain't relying on you for anything. Right, right, exactly. So that that so we got that little set up there for that for that dude. He's kind of onto them, so yeah, it's back. a neat little setup, and and it's a quick scene, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's just it's it's very effective. So we're back in the house, and now she's like, she's she, this is when she's calling the cops, and you know she's scared because you know it's it's they're not helping, and then uh, and then so she gets up, and she's looking around, and you're thinking, God, if she only had a gun or something, you know, something. But she finds a baseball bat because, you know, she's tough. So she finds a bat and she's kind of swinging it a couple times, like, you know, practice swings. And then lo and behold, it's not too much right after that. They fucking bust through the window of, like, the I think the front door. And they, they just right, right. the whole gang comes in. I mean, they got them all. So they they got her and they grab her and they throw her on the couch. And, you know, they're tormenting her. You know, where's the bread, lady? You know, and they're looking for their money and, you know, just kind of. Just uh, you know, just being assholes, and of course she's terrorized, and she's, and she's you know scared that the about her for her son. He basically comes down the steps. Yeah, and, and that's where she kind of goes into mama bear mode. Right, and she tells she yells from the run. Uh, he, he, you know, he's a little kid. He don't really know, you know. So he runs up as best he can, and he gets in the bathtub, and then he pulls the shower curtain thing. But you can see his silhouette. He's sitting up. 
So you can see that he's sitting in there. He don't know any better. He's just sitting there. He's right. Scared. I mean, he's like, what, like five, six years old, maybe? It's, yeah. He, I'm, I'm guessing his age, you know. And it was the only film that he had ever done. Um, just on on a side note, Dante Joseph, who played little Scott Marino. Only movie he ever did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, he did a good job in this, man. He's up there, you know, and he's just sitting there. And and uh, so, anyway, they're kind of spreading out over the house. And the one, the one thug, what's that guy's the main thug kind of like not the leader not rico but this henchman there the one that becomes the yeah. kind of the uh oh uh prago yeah prago that's it he, he's like the main bad guy he's kind of got a played by don blakely played yeah yeah no. yeah and uh, he plays a good bad guy man he's got like the headband on like across this thing and he's got like a feather. It, it looks like an extra from the warriors <laughs> well, <laughs> what exactly that was somebody, yeah i mean you think of the warriors you kind of see me and uh, so he's he plays a good bad guy. He's always got this shitting grin on his fucking face. <laughs> You're like, yeah, you can tell the son of a bitch like the character just loves what he's doing. You know, right. He's not a good guy, but he's uh, having a good time. Yeah, right, he's doing what he does, <laughs> and he's well, and he's doing it very well. It's so, not like the old phrase goes, "He's doing what he does. He's best at what he does, but what he does isn't very nice." Right. Well, that's this guy. I mean, he's a good bad. He's a really good bad guy. He plays. Yeah, he's a guy you love to hate. Right. So anyway, he's the one that's kind of honing in on where the boy is. He's kind of going through the hallways. He slowly opens the door, and he sees the kid sitting in the tub. Kid oh, yeah, gosh. That's, pretty, that's, that's a pretty naughty scene here. So anyway, he whips out that double-barrel shotgun, and is this, you're just like, yeah. no, you're not going to kill the kid. Yeah, he's going to kill the kid. Well, what they do, they kind of savor it for a moment because they kind of show, they kind of zoom in slowly on the kid and then back on him. Mom breaks free and she's out in the yard trying to fucking, she's screaming for help for her neighbors and nobody's coming out. And she's like, yeah, screaming. people are shutting their doors or closing uh, their windows. Nobody's Nobody is helping. And, uh, and uh, so basically she turns around and then we see a clip of uh, Prago, uh, you know, he, he opens the, he fucking unloads that shotgun and you see shatters the glass from the upstairs bathroom window and, whatever comes flying out but it, it's the oh it's just a heap of blood and gore exploding out this window i mean it, it was graphic but it, i mean at least they didn't show on screen kid death I'll, I'll say they at least didn't take it that far but i mean they did everything but do that right i mean it was it was it's bad i mean but again this is a gritty movie and you know that, that's yeah pulls no punches right and that's exactly you know so it's like in, you know, Assault on Precinct 13. You know, there was that kill, you know, with the girl. So oh, the ice cream. Yeah, the ice cream kill. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's like, oh, my God, these motherfuckers are, oh. And you're, like, frothing at the mouth like, you fuckers, you motherfuckers. Right. So and then, not- well, then Rico simultaneously is downstairs, not downstairs, but outside, uh, down on the first floor, as the mom is trying to run now, seeing the the explosion of glass and blood come flying out her upstairs bathroom window. I think she knows. She knows at that instant that little Scotty has been either in, killed or injured. You know what I right. mean? That with that kind of spray of blood, there's something bad. And then uh, Rico gets her, and he's got not even like a knife. He's got almost like a like a sword or kind of a bayonet that he uses to that he stabs her with. Yeah, and yeah, so he's he's getting busy on her. And then they cut back. Uh, they cut back to uh, 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 Eddie and and the guys, and they're like getting dressed. It's the end of the day, 
and then poor uh, Eddie Marino, he's he's driving home into his van, and he's coming up, and it's dark, and he sees the, you know the old thing that we all would be fearful of when we see something in front of your street, like oh my God, is that my house? Sure. Right. Sure. And I love. I mean, it's it's a horrible scene, but I love how it's choreographed. There's that couple long shots as he's driving down, you know, the narrow city streets where you know only one car can travel down the street at the time, so he's got to pull over to allow the ambulance to drive past. Right. I think it was, or the ambulance or the fire truck, one of the two, he allows it to drive past, and he continues down. And again, it's all done in silence, no music, just the sound of the car running. And he just starts mumbling like, oh, no, oh, my God. And, like, as he's – they don't cut, like, all of a sudden he's down at the end of the street. They take the time for him to drive that entire length of the city block. To, so for you to re realize as he's realizing it, this, you know, the severity of the situation, I just love how it's choreographed. Yeah. That and the fact, like, when he pulls over to let the ambulance go by, you know, he's letting them drive where, you know, his wife, you know, driving, you know, as he doesn't know it. But he's pulling over to let, you know, them drive one of his loved ones to the fucking hospital, you know, so, you know, he has, you know, he, he's like, you know, he, like, that's, you know what I mean? Instead of, like, being able to react to that because he doesn't know it, that's horrible right there. Like, oh, you know, you pulling over and that's that ambulance has got your loved one in it. And then you're fucking driving to the, and then you're driving to uh, the house. And then, of course, uh, I think, weren't they, didn't they have Scott in a body bag? They're pulling him down the steps or something or something. What yeah. They, yeah. It was, got, they, they were walking out with the body bag as he was running up the steps. The cops tried to stop him because they don't know who he is until he gets in. And the detective, which I forget the detective's name, stops him, knows he, he's Mr. Marino and kind of in. Let's them know, yeah, your <clears throat> your son's been, you know, killed. Your wife's been horribly in, injured and assaulted, and like, you know, their worst fucking nightmares just come true. Right, and it's like it's that scene that, you know, it's it's the worst. And there's so many people that have had to go through that in real life, you know, coming into the house and like, you know, now your world has changed forever. You know, you got your your fucking son, your little kid is dead you know your wife you don't know what's going on with her or what she what they did to her you have no idea what all happened to her and here you are you know and uh it's it's just awful and so uh um so he goes now he's at the hospital and i was this was you know he's there and like you know they won't let him see her which i think is kind of weird like it may be a good idea but it's still like you know <laughs> it won't let him in the they won't let him in. Yeah, the, at least let that let the let the man make that decision for himself. Right, you know. <laughs> you know. So he's there, and and you know he's obviously just trying to figure it out. But uh, he ends up walking down the hall, and uh, and he does get to he gets to peek in on her, and of course she's in the I, ICU unit, and she's all like you know got tubes and she's all wrapped up and it's fucked right. up. She's in, in, in bad shape. Right. So he's just kind of looking. And then uh, I believe uh, uh, they cut right to uh, she's there and she's out. She's not, you know, she's like in a coma or whatever. She's out. And, and then I think they cut I think they cut right to didn't they, they go to like the funeral home and he's staring at the He's staring at yeah. the, you know, the coffin, but like, they, 
They, they're not like clear on it like, at, at first, you know. You, th- I mean, when I was watching this, I totally forgot. I'm like, did she already die? But I'm like, no, I didn't remember that that was uh, his son's. Because actually, if you really rewatch it, it's a very small coffin. It's ob- obviously a child's co- coffin, and you know, he's just standing there looking at it all covered in flowers, and you know, at this you know funeral home where it's empty there's nobody there he's just there alone but yeah, Fred, not no, alone Fred, but Fred Fred's Williamson's there. there yeah he's the only one yeah, there yeah. Nick, Nick shows up says something to him and uh I forget what he says but it's you know it's kind of a quiet moment between the two of them it's a small scene but it's very it's very cool because it's really like oh my god dude he's had now he had to bury his son there's really nobody there it's just him and you know Nick and uh so basically now it's you know wife's still in the hospital the the boy is you know you're assuming he, he's been buried and uh so now he's got to figure out what to do you know in the system what am i you know what's next so he he gets an appointment with the da and uh this lady he goes down to me i forget her name in this uh, uh t- attorney fletcher i can't remember what her first name was but it was attorney fletcher but they're, they're, they they they're kind of like I mean they're they want to, they're they're going for the full nine they want to get him for assault they want to get him for the death penalty not for the death penalty but they want to get him for life in prison because New York doesn't have the death penalty right and she uh, so she's pretty cool like she wants to get these fuckers you know but she kind of tells them too like you know they're really just going for Rico and then wasn't this the scene wouldn't she say something about you know like. Have you ever seen a gang in a courtroom that scares the jurors? So they're only going after Rico, even though they're all guilty. And of course, you know, somebody else murdered her son, his son, rather. Right. That, that you know, they're they're just trying to get the king, the kingpin. They're just trying to get Rico. Yeah, so, she does have that line where she says, uh, you ever seen, a, you know, a whole gang, you know, sitting yeah. up in, inside the courtroom it like scares the jurors you don't want Which that makes sense you know you'd be like yeah you know they'd be intimidated fuck the, the fucker staring at you you know you wouldn't want to you'd you know you'd probably let them go you know so um so that they're trying to get that going and uh he's basically just going along with the whole thing you know he's not like oh, i'm gonna get these guys it's all really all about the system yeah. Well, he believes in the system. That's why right. he's not. He kind of doesn't succumb to at first to uh, Nick trying to get him to join the vigilante group, you know, and take on the system. He's like, I think that happens right after he goes to see the DA. Where yeah, they're, well, they're, the they're just kind of yeah. chilling up on the rooftop, just admiring the city. And I, I, I think I even remember I wrote down the line. He says, "You know, you used to the city can still catch your eye." catches your eye from up here you know he's like yeah but that's because you can't see all the trash from up here right that's Nick a- is already soured on that sediment <laughs> right like yeah sounds good dude but here's the here's the real deal <laughs> you know and uh you know so it's, it's a good scene between the two of them because you can tell they've been buddies and they care about each other and and shit but it's like you know nick's kind of like you know almost kind of telling like look man <laughs> like yeah i know laws and shit but you know we gotta fucking take our streets back i mean I, i'm i'm that isn't what he says, but that's what he's saying. Like, you know, fuck all that. We need to get these motherfuckers. You know, yeah, but like basically tells him. I remember the line he says. He's like, "Take care of the situation by yourself. It'll make you feel better." But he's like, and Eddie's just like, "But we got a system of laws." And he's like, right. "You know, like system, laws. my ass. What system?" Yeah, right. And you know, got- and again, I I got to make a point here to especially to the listeners. I'm not advocating vigilantism at all, but I understand the sediment. 
I understand it. I don't agree with it, but like I understand of the like the idea of this happening to someone. You know what I mean? And having the system. Well, the system hasn't let him down yet. It's just it's it's about to. It's it's about right. to let him down. He's about to get the hard deal. You know, fucking what really is going on? But it, it's a cool scene because most people, like guys like me and you, and most people, you know, are law-abiding citizens. We're not, you know, doing shit like this and. And there's a part of us, there's both parts, like, yeah, let the let the law, let the system handle these guys, they go to prison, and, and like, let, and then there's a side of you, too, where it's like, you, like, I don't know, it's not like you fantasize about going and do that, but you want justice to get served, and you want the bad guy to goddamn get it, you know what I mean, yeah. like, you know, like, it's not, you know, you'd rather the police handle it, they go to the thing, and they actually get the sentences they want but you get well, something you know but that's why we have a system set, set up you know a system of laws and that's why we're law-abiding systems because right. we believe in that system but it doesn't always work out that way it just doesn't right. and, you know? and, and there's a part of you that you know you want like you want the fuckers to get what they got coming and so there's it's a good dichotomy i guess is that the word there's a between yeah. them like uh you know like this kind of like how the the, the both sides to, to the coin of what the average guys, person, man, woman in our country and in the world probably think, you know, like I want it to work out, but God damn it. I also want, you know, they killed my kid, you know, like, so there's, yeah, I want to uh, string them up by their nuts by my, right, myself, I, I, you know, yeah, I, you know, uh, you know, so, so basically it's now it's court time. He goes to court and this is a great scene with the great Joe Spinell. Oh, oh yeah. He was, he good. was so good. He was so good. It, it, this is, you know, getting towards the end of his career and end of his life because, uh, you know, he was, it was uh, you know, had a lot of health issues and stuff. But the minute he walks out, it's just he has he such a commanding presence. Elevator opens up. You got uh, uh, Eddie sitting in the hall. The actual thug that killed his boy, which he doesn't know is sitting down a couple of chairs away from him. Yeah, like sitting 10 well, feet away open. from him. Elevator opens, and Joe Spinell walks out, and it's like, oh, man. Which, like, Talk you, about we should also mention that Joe Spinell worked for Lustig. They were really good friends, and they worked together before. That He starred with him, you know, he starred as the ma- titular character of the maniac, uh, right. Frank you know, Frank and uh, Maniac. So, yeah, in his previous picture. So it was great to see them, you know, kind of put him to work here again. Absolutely. It's a, not it's an a, attractive man, but what, a, what a, a, you know, <laughs> Joe Spinell is not an attractive man, but he has such a distinctive look. You, you know, every movie would have benefited from more Joe Spinell. You can't, you can't take your eyes off him. The minute he walks in, you're like, with those glasses and shit, you're like, oh, <laughs> Spinell. It's like you can't fucking not look at him. He's right, he's, just, right. he's amazing. Yeah, he's not in the Leonardo DiCaprio or George Clooney in that kind of respect. Though that he, you look at him because of that. He's just it's hard to just describe. He's yeah, just got he's, a commanding presence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean that's it. You know that's and yeah. So anyway, he, basically the uh, Prago uh, Spinell. Uh, what's what's his character's name? And this I keep forgetting. Oh, uh, you mean the the, the Spinell's character character or um, Spinell is um, uh, Eisenberg. Uh, yeah, he's a, a the lawyer Eisenberg. Yeah. I forgot his first name, but I yeah. just I just went down to Eisenberg. But uh, he goes into the bathroom, like he kind of walks out of the elevator and he goes into the bathroom, and then you've got um, the uh, 
the Prago, the guy that actually killed the boy with the shotgun, he kind of follows him in there. And so they're kind of talking and uh, kind of Prago kind of throws down a wadded up thing of bills that got a rubber band around him. And, and you know, it's like Spinel, like, hey, you're a little light, huh? You know, and I, again, so they kind of go back <laughs> and forth and, you know, like he didn't give them all the money yet. And they're talking about, you know, so basically. He's like, Spinelli, you, you know how to count, don't you? Or, oh, when he throws on the second wad of bills. And he's like, well, now you can count there, huh, bad man? <laughs> I love that line. Ah, <laughs> it's great. That old scene is fucking great. So he basically spelling it out for him. And he basically tells Prago, who's a badass who just murdered a little boy. He basically tells him, you know, like, yeah, hey, you don't fuck. You know, Spinell's like telling him, hey, you don't fuck with me. You know, like, I'm, you know, like, you know. So I'm holding your life like, in my hands right, right, right. now. All Fucker. of you. Yeah, like you're the last. I'm the last guy you want to fuck with, basically. So anyway, he gets his money, and uh, they. Uh, so that's you know he's been paid. So it's all you know. It's just all crooked, backward, back not backward, back backward deals, back room and backhanded deals in the system. People are getting paid, and well, then it cuts back just, into just, the, the, just the courtroom. Not yeah. Justice is not going to get served. <laughs> no, when well, they cut back into the courtroom. The the DA even says, you know, that this judge is a irresponsible asshole. She's like, you know, just keep quiet, keep your head down, you know what I mean, and and just do what I tell you. Otherwise, we're you know, basically letting them know we we, we kind of got the odds stacked against us with this judge. Right. So they kind of say it without saying it is that he's on the take as well. Right, and it's a good <clears throat> because it's kind of just it kind of just rolls along, and like you just see poor Eddie. Like, he's surrounded by all the fuckers that are fucking him over in his life. Like, okay, the initial attackers are in the room. You know, Rico's there. His punk, Prago, is sitting in the crowd with a bunch of the other guys from the gang. There's a girl in there, too, with, like, shades. And they're all, they're all, you know, the whole gang is in this fucking room. You got a judge who doesn't give a fuck. But Marino doesn't know yet. He's still, you know, he hasn't got fucked yet. Like, he thinks... Yeah, that, he's still very doe-eyed, as they yeah, say. We're, yeah. yeah, we're in court, and it's time for my day to, you know, have, you know, and this guy's gonna... And then you just see it, like, you just see the whole thing just kind of melt in front of him, where it's like the judge has Spinell and the, the other, his, the DA, uh, uh, Marino's lady, come up to, for a for a little talk at the bench there yeah they're having a little powwow now i got i gotta interrupt one second for the festivities uh, a bit of the trivia um he you know uh spinel is eisenberg <clears throat> when they were filming that courtroom scene when uh he comes running up you know like he's late it was an inside joke because he had to the production assistant had to go looking for Spinell, like literally going to various bars and hotels, thinking, trying to find him because he was so heavy into drinking at the time that he did not show up for filming that day. And they had to film him coming, coming in like at a much later time. They were supposed to be there for a morning shoot. They ended up shooting it at night. So they added in apparently the bit about him running in late as an inside joke to against Spinell because he was, you know, kind of pulled the John Belushi and just disappeared from set for the day. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. That's fucking, yeah. I mean, it's not when he, cool. When he comes yeah. running up and he's like, where's, you know, where's your defense? <laughs> you know, where, where's your uh, court appointed <laughs> attorney? And he's like, oh, I'm right here, Yana. <laughs> ah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. I get it. So <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. in the fucking, he's it in the It was an inside joke because he was just like, oh, sorry. Sorry about that. 
Uh, I didn't show. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, ah, oh, fucking Spinel. You know, fucking. Oh, that's good, man. I mean, it's that's <clears throat> stories here. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that. But anyway, yeah. So we're digging so, deep here. We dig deep for some I love those stories, man. Those behind the scenes, because you know, like every movie, I don't care. I don't care what budget it is. Everything's got a story. You know, there's shit happening. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, there's a shit, you know, every, some not so bad, some horrible, but the movie got made and there it is. And, uh, and uh, everybody did what they had to do to get it made. So yeah. that's, so, they, so, found they, they found them. They found them. Yeah, that's good. Apparently. <laughs> and so, uh, so it's cool. It's a good scene because, uh, you really see the workings of this backroom deal kind of like, you know, on the take shit where it's basically they, he goes from first degree murder and assault to within minutes down to two years suspended. He's not even going to go to jail. Right. Or, right. Cause she's trying to go for 15. Right. So the full maximum. And they're like, no, no, but he's a first time offender, but he's like, he's been arrested 22 times. Right. So like, but this is his first, uh, you know, basically first yeah. time we got him on something. Right, yeah, yeah. Forget all that other stuff. It's not relevant, you know. It's like, well, goddamn, it is relevant. No, it's not, yeah. you know. So and nowadays they have the three strikes and you're out rule. It it, 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 it was a different. It was just a different time back in the eighties, I guess. Right. Yeah, you get arrested a million times, and like you know, for that you didn't, you know, you See got off the cracks of the system. So anyway, basically, uh, so now Eddie gets it. You know, it's like, what the fuck? You know, it's like. You know, the dude's walking out. Everybody's happy on that side. And so Eddie's had enough. He loses his fucking cool. And the judge's basically like, you know, you don't come in here and threaten it. And he gives him, basically, he gives well, him. Yeah, because he, he goes part. nuts. He's, he goes after Rico. He tries to strangle Spinel. Right. He, he's he even, bum, even bum rushes the, the judge. Right. He's actually trying to, yeah, he tries to climb over the thing to get the judge. And it's bad for Marino because right now, now he's in jail. <laughs> Every fucker that killed his son. And, you know, put his wife in a coma, you know, now he's going, he's in a bus going to prison. So it, it just keeps getting worse for poor Eddie. You know, it's bad because it's like, well, because you look at this, you go, this shit, yep, this shit really happens. You know, like people just get fucked by the system. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, you know and, thankfully it doesn't happen each and every time, but I'd hate to think, I would really hate to think about how often it really does happen. Right, right because it probably over the years, I'm bet it's happened a lot. Yeah, and, more more times than anybody would probably ever like to admit, I'm sure. And you know, you, Eddie, now Eddie Eddie's going to fucking jail. Then would they give him a month for contempt? Yeah, he got thirty days. So you know, and it's he's not going to like county. He, they put him like in prison. He's in like this hardened prison with these real bad. I, I think it was supposed to be Sing Sing, wasn't it? Because they did like an overhead shot of it, and I'll be damned if that wasn't Sing Sing. It, it, like, it might be. Yeah, I mean, it's bad. He's in. He's in a real hard place. And yeah, they're not even. It's putting him in a place for temporary. I know they're putting like, yeah, we're going to put you in straight up prison for a month. Right, not like county. <laughs> you're, you're going to the Rock because they refer to it as the Rock at one point. The you know. That's right. They do. They do. Um, what's uh, so? Well, now he's in there, and his bunkie is uh, is um, oh, wow. Woody Strode. Well, yes, yes. That and and it's a great, great, great fucking oh, character. I forgot his character's name. Rake. Rake uh, is his name. Rake. That's it. 
And so, so he strode like if, if for those of you listening at home, if you don't know who Woody Strode is, that man has been in everything for the man who shot Liberty, Liberty Valance, the professionals, Ten Commandments, Spartacus, and even stuff like Kingdom of the Spiders. You know, a, a very prolific actor. God, I mean, I, I think he did close to 100 movies. His last movie being uh, The Quick and the Dead by Sam Raimi. Correct. And when and He's just one of those guys you see him and you're like, that guy, yeah, that guy, <laughs> and you're that right, that guy, and he looks so cool because it's like you think of all the fuckers in that whole prison, he got lucky and and he and he's bunking with with Rake, you know that character, and it's like, is this the only guy? You know, you can tell he's been in there forever or whatever, but he's the older Jan dude, like you know, like you don't fuck with him, you, they respect him, they don't fuck with him. But he certainly could take you out, in, like in you know, in one thing if he wanted to. You know what I mean? Like you don't, like he don't go looking for trouble, but you don't mess with Rake. You know, he's one of those characters. You know. Yeah. And uh, and uh, so it's pretty cool. So he's now, so he's locked up in this bullshit. Oh uh, gosh, um, yeah. he gets a. Uh, I forgot the name. The the damn the prisoner that assaults or tries to fuck with um, Eddie. But he's got this big, big. This guy's built like a brick shit house. He's oh, college they're, built. Aren't they? Uh, they're in the. Aren't they in the mess hall? And, and yeah. like he's gonna. They're eating and shit. And like Eddie's just kind of there smoking a cigarette. Yeah, and this guy walks in, and uh, yeah, he's 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 built like a brick shit house. He's this big yeah, dude. He's as tall as a building and as wide as a wall, man. He's woo, and big so guy. He's got him and and uh, who's the guy with him? Is that? Uh, is that the who the guy that's with him? He's got another guy with him. Yeah, it's a sidekick. Uh, sidekick. Uh, oh, God, I don't remember what the hell his name was. Basically, they've got they got their eyes on him, and they're and they're gonna fuck with him. So they walk over to to do just that. And Rake sits down in front of a. He basically he basically says something to those guys. I forget what the line is, but he basically tells them, you know, to fucking you know basically to move along and they don't they don't give him any shit they walk away and then rake sits down and then break basically like basically tells him you know you better watch yourself you know and uh and uh you know and 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 you get that dopey whatever that whatever look on off your face you know he basically's telling <laughs> yeah you know, he basically did get that doe-eyed look off your face yeah, because he's basically, fucking... him, he's basically telling him to harden up you know like you know <laughs> not just sit there like a fucking you know like a little victim yeah. There'll be a bump on a log because they will take everything from you. And by taking everything, I mean, they're going to take everything. They're going to take everything. So uh, so now we're back out in the streets. It's the neighborhood again. And we got a couple of kids walking up. And there's some guy from the neighborhood. One of, He's not necessarily in the gang. He's just a, but he's a drug peddler. And he sells to the kids. And Fred Williamson sees it. Yeah, that's uh, played by, uh, oh, uh. Frank Pesci. Yeah. Like, yeah. His character's name is Blue Boy. Yeah, he's just like one of the, the street thugs. He's right. not one of the guys like responsible for the attack, but he's part of that like same he, gang dealing drugs and shit. Yeah, he pedals the he, – he's the what they call the dope pusher. So he's – Pusher man. The, the pusher man pushing dope on the kids. And so he basically – Like he literally says, hey, yeah, tell all your, your teenage friends I got the best shit around. Right. <laughs> I get the beat of your teenage friends. So, uh, and uh, so anyway, so Fred, well, Nick. Well, I, saw, 
Go ahead. I, I got I got to interject here. The, the, like he runs basically like he, he sees a cop car coming. Right. And he starts to go down the street, tells the kids to fuck off and go in the other direction. And he walks and he's walking backwards, keeping an eye on the cops. And he backs into Fred the Hammer Williamson. And then he turns around and he tries to walk around him. And he goes, you're in my way, bro. And Fred the Hammer Williamson just stares him down without blinking. And he goes, no shit. And that's yeah, it. Right. This, is, this is his answer. And then he just slowly starts walking yeah. after him. And they're just kind of on foot, just walking. You know, it's like a cat and mouse game. Like Fred the Hammer's like, I'm just waiting for you to run. As soon as you run, I'm chasing you. Well, what's what's cool about it is, you know, it isn't like he fucks him up right there, and then that they, it's a slow kind of cat and mouse, like you said. Like you know, he lets he lets his prey get away, and like the guy starts walking away, he's walking away, and then all and he knocks he, over. Yeah, he knocks over the. Doesn't he knock over the dude? He knocks over the dude in the uh, the wheelchair. He takes him like by his forehead and like shoves him backwards. And so you want Fred to just take off Nick. You just want him to take off after the guy, but he doesn't. He takes a minute. You know, the guy like, God, the guy's getting away, Fred. You know, but he's not. He takes the time like to lift the guy back and get him back in his wheelchair. Yeah, like he picks him right up. Just right. Scoop because, right. And I, I was one of my favorite touches of the movie. Like he could have easily just ran past the kid. He could have been like, y'all right, and just kept running. But you know he doesn't he takes the time to not just pick him up but he picks him up says his wheelchair setting up straight sits him down in it and make sure he asks him are you all right right and that's cool all right take care of that guy later go get this other fucker but no he stops and takes the time to do the right thing and that's what's cool about this character like he takes care of this guy and well, he sets him his big. thing is taking care of the people on the streets the his people you know his, right So he, he goes back to chasing uh, the pusher, and uh, it's kind of like a cool thing because he's not just running after him. There's, like, obstacles. Like, they go inside this building with there's graffiti everywhere, and there's, like, chain link fences, and they yeah, run up and, and a lot of it, I don't know how much of it was, was stunt double, but a lot of the of it was the actors, Frank Pesci and Fred Williamson, are really, like, jumping op- over these walls, scaling these fences and climbing shit. I mean, I'm sure they use stunt people when they could but a lot of it like i kept thinking to myself these guys are our age when they're making this movie you know and i'm like and they're doing shit that i would have never like like, i would have never succumbed myself to stunt wise like climbing around the fence around a pillar that's hanging over the ledge you're like i'm not gonna do that fuck that you know like i'll fall over stuff that if they slip and fall they're gonna fall and impale themselves on the on the railing right like fuck that's crazy but they do it and then they do the cool scene. They have to jump off the building and go like over into another building. So there's obviously the way they film it to make them look like they're really jumping this thing. But so they have to, there's risk involved here. You could like not make it to the other side and drop all the way down and kill yourself. But they both make it. And then the chase continues. And then uh, finally, uh, he's kind of, it looks like he's kind of getting away. <clears throat> But then one of the guys from the, the the vigilante gang with a baseball bat, like fucking Nick runs up to the fence and the guy in the punk already got over the other side. And then he sees the punk on the ground getting his ass kicked by the one of the guys. I don't know his name, but oh, he's one that's, of the guys. Um, Burke was his name. Yeah, Play Burke. that's it. Richard Bright. Oh, because he's that line there. He saved some for me, Burke. Then he had yeah. that line in there, like, save some for me, Burke. Yeah. So he does that and... Uh, 
And then Burke, you know, works more with the bat. So they fuck this dude up. They let him live, but they're, they're fucking him up. But then it, and then uh, and then it kind of cuts back back and forth a little bit between Eddie in prison. And uh, I think, excuse me, I think that was that scene we were talking about um, with uh, in the commissary. Yeah, I think we might have been a little out of sequence there, but, but I think this <laughs> is the sequence when, yeah, where the. The big guy and his his crony are fucking with uh, Eddie de, during mess hall, right? So they so they so he gives them the speech, and then they cut back to now they it's it's Nick Burke and the pusher, and they're like in a bathroom that's completely covered in graffiti. It's just nasty, and they they basically um uh basically Nick is like you know they they want to know who where he's getting his dope from because they they want to. They're not after him so much. They want to get the guy up, you know, his the guy given who's supplying your dope. Yeah, so, they want to get the king rat, so right, to speak. Right. So you know, uh, there's another guy comes in. I forget him name. He's got a. Uh, uh, there was because there was three. Of, they're all in there now. There's two guys. They're just kind of beating up on the pusher while Nick. It's Burke, and isn't the other guy's name Ramon? I think it's Ramon, and so they're beating him up. So so Nick finally has got enough. He grabs the guy. And they, he basically, you know, the, the guy's not giving well, up the goods. But so, I also love, I got to interject for a second, is while Ramon and Burke are beating the shit out of the, the pusher, Brother Ham Winsome is just like calmly eating like peanuts or sunflower <laughs> seeds or something. He's just kind of chomp, 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 just yeah. watching like, this is just another Tuesday for them. Right, exactly. So <laughs> it's a nice touch. He, Yeah, it is, man. And, and he raises uh, the pusher up and he starts pushing him out the window and so says he's going to give him the you know, give him the Superman or whatever, you know, he's going to mm-hmm. let, basically, he's going to, you're going to be yep. out of this fucking window. So finally, the dude gives it up, uh, and he says the name of a pimp. Horace. Horace uh, the pimp. Horace. Horace the pimp, that's it. And, uh, and uh, so they, so they fuck him up, and, but they, they don't kill him. They, they let the guy live. They work him over, and they basically beat him to half to death, and he's laying there in his bathroom, and they end up leaving and so now they know they're going for now, the pimp. Stop me if I'm wrong. It, isn't he the only one they let live? I mean, isn't everybody else they hunt down? No. Don't they end up kind of systematically kill them off one by one? No, it's they let the pusher live and they let Horace live. Because when because okay. what happens is it goes right to the nighttime scene where the prostitutes are on the street. And, they're, they're, and Horace pulls up in his Cadillac because he says in the thing, he drives a silver caddy. So you pull yeah. up and the silver Cadillac pulls up and you got the, you know, the 70s pimp looking dude, you know, like, you yeah. know, in the, in the car upholstered and leopard print and oh, everything, you know, the, and the groovy hat was, looks like it's been bedazzled, you know, it's got, yeah. a little, like, you know, it's got like, you know, so it's got a gold Your sequins and shit all over it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was looking pretty fly. Right, right. He's fly. He's the dude. He's the man. He, he this is, these are his streets. So he's on there, and he gets the chicken there, and, she, and of course the poor woman doesn't have all the money, and you know at times are slow, and you know I, you know there's nobody out here, you know Horace, and uh, you know she ta- he takes the money and he slaps her a few times, and basically tells her you know, you know get out get there and some get real money. money. What's cool though is it's like Horace, he's like damn, you know, it's like you know the re- damn recession, you know mm-hmm. like a man can't even make a living, and then he takes a big whiff of coke. You know, and he's sitting there by himself. And so it's funny, you know, he's like. Yeah, uh, Lordy, b- b- a pimp <laughs> bitching about the recession is fucking great like, shit. 
damn man, it's hard to make a living. You know, how did fucking then he whiffs and then he pulls off. So he, they set him up. But when he pulls away, the van is across the street, and that's the guys in the van. They're 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 checking out Horace. So now Horace is cruising down the street doing his thing, and uh, the guys in the van uh, are our vigilantes, and they're they're basically following him. Yeah, and they're kind of they're just kind of bumping him, bumping his car along. He's trying to speed away, but they just keep coming up and and nudging him. They just keep nudging him. They, you know, Horace doesn't really under, realize he's being followed, it, and then he kind of notices it in the mirror, and then at that point they accelerate. Yeah, and they start kind of giving them little kisses with the bumper. And they're like letting him know they're there, and they're, you know. So he's like kind of shitting himself. So, <clears throat> so now he's trying to get away. This, if I remember, this is a pretty cool. <laughs> this is a pretty cool chase scene, if I remember, isn't it? Is this? Yeah, it's, no, that very, it's very short. That the the really cool chase scene is much later on, but you know they're kind of take chasing uh, down like uh, the dock area, and they they run him off the side of the road where he hits a, a, a rail of stairs and it flips the car. Right. And so this Cadillac flips, pretty cool stunt, you know, man. And yeah, it's then, a good car flip. It's a good car yeah. flip. So the car flips over. But then it cuts to uh, one of our most uncomfortable scenes. The attempted, uh, moves into the attempted rape of, uh, the attempted oh. gang rape of Eddie in the prison shower. And yeah, that's fucking pretty gnarly because, uh, that fucker, you know, he's in there, and it's these guys are now. These guys are like true actors. They're all nude, like they're all in there, like in the shower. Even Robert Forster, even Robert yeah, Forster is fully nude. These guys are naked. You know, you don't. You know, they're standing there naked as a jaybird, taking their showers. And but the uh, guard, the guard is the. It shows you how the system is so fucking broken that that he just walks in. The thug does. Let's it be known that like he wants to be there to to quote unquote party and the and the guard even says to him go and have yourself a good time and he looks around and all the other I mean like Eddie's kind of oblivious because he's soaping up his head and you know and he's got soap in his eyes but everybody else walk just like with his wife and his kid nobody helps everybody else just walks the fuck out leaves Eddie standing there naked as a jaybird when these two thugs come in and just start waylaying the shit out of them. And they well, tell them straight up, get on your knees. And like, you know exactly what well, their intentions are. Well, I, I, just on a side note, I, I, I used to work with a guy many years ago who was got caught up in a robbery. He said he didn't know what was happening. He was in the car that he was driving and he got arrested and got charged with it too. And he spent a lot of time in prison. Really nice guy. And long story short, he was telling me about the shit that used to go on in the showers and you know they, they'd gang rape a guy and attack him and uh and and these the terrible shit would happen and then you know you just kind of went on with your shower like you didn't see nothing you don't know nothing you just like you know do go about your business and this guy down the fuck at the end of the thing is you know getting gang raped by five guys it was it was you just mind he, your own business and thanks to whatever god you prayed to that it wasn't you Right, and when he tells a story, it's pretty gut wrenching. It'll it'll be it'll it'll make you think about breaking the law. It's bad. It, it's it's bad. But anyway, getting back to the movie. So right, I, see right, right. Scene, I see this scene. I think about this dude. You all those years ago, tell me this story. So basically, everybody clears out, and poor uh, Eddie's just wiping the shampoo out of his face. And next thing you know, that big guy and his partner, uh, they're fucking. Uh, they corner him, and the guards kind of laughing. And uh, they're basically, you know, they're going to, they, their goal is they're going to, you know, they're going to 
do him. They're going to rape yeah. him. Yeah, they're going to split him open, as they say. <laughs> but Rake shows up, shoves the guard out of the way, and walks in and, and gives fucking gives the big dude a good whooping. Yeah, and you got to figure Woody Strode had to. Had to have been, like, in his 70s. I don't know exactly what his age was. But he had to be 65, 75 years old at this time. And he whomps the shit out of those guys. And he's sure, you're like, I wouldn't fuck with this dude for nothing. No. I mean, he's beating the fuck out of these dudes. I mean, you're like, God damn it. And uh, and so, it basically, he beats the shit out of them. And he just walks away after the other guys are laid out. And and Eddie's kind of crouched in the corner like, oh, God. You know, he's not doing anything. He's just down there on his, like, fetal position. Like, oh, fuck. You know, so. Yeah, kind uh, of realizing what the hell just happened to him. Right. Like, oh, my God. You know, and fucking he owes everything to Rake because, you know, that would have been history right there. So he's saved. Rake's awesome. Saves his ass, literally. And then we go. <laughs> right. We go back to. Uh, or cut back to they got they got Horace now. The gang is the vigilante's got Horace and a baseball bat at his throat, and Horace is all fucked up because his car's you know all flipped up. And they they got him they they got him all. Um, oh, he's because he's ble- bleeding from here to there and everywhere. Cut, he's bruised. Like he he's, even says he's like, man, don't hit me anymore. I'm bleeding. He tries to give him his bankroll, and they take it. They take his right. money. And uh, and uh, so basically, he's you know. <laughs> he's left no choice. You know, he's got to give it like he like, man, you know, he ain't going to give it up at first, but he, he basically, the, he finds out that our politician, um, our mayor, whatever, whatever the fuck his name is, I forget. They fucking, you know, he basically gives it up. He's the guy behind all this shit. So now they know they're now it's the big fish. They got their guy and now they know who the fuck. So they basically work well, over. They, he literally begs them to to not do it. He's like, like this. Don't do this to me. Don't make me, you know, right. Give up these guys. And they're like, well, you know, don't worry about them. Worry about us. Right. And I think they call them. I, I I made a note here. I don't know why I put it in. Like, who is Mister T? But I think that was what he says. That the main yeah. guy's nickname was Mister T. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. It would, uh, and uh, so. So that's, uh, yeah, so he gives that up, and then he says Thomas. That's uh, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thomas Stokes. That's it. Stokes, thank you. God, I couldn't I can remember. God dang it. See, yeah, you helped me. But we put, put, put both our uh, minds together. We come up with something good. <laughs> You're half a brain. My half because, a brain. We, we got a brain. Oh yeah, between the two of us, we got we got at least one good brain. Because that's when they have the little flashback where Fred the Hammer Williamson remembers the newscast and he sees the guy and he remembers it and remembers that he's like one of the mayor's associates. Right. And so basically, so they, 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 this is Horace is like laying down on his face, like, you know, like sitting there. So they let him, they let Horace live. You know, he looks like he's the, the death, but he's not, he's, he's around. And uh, so they, they take off. Now they got, now they know who they need to get. And now it's on. Yeah. So, now they know who like Kingfish is. <laughs> Get the king, motherfucker. Doesn't Eddie get released from jail during the next scene? Yeah, I think, yeah, he's done his 30. He's heading out. He goes and finds uh, Nick because they're playing basketball or something outside. Right, and and he goes and hunts him down, and he literally just walks straight up to him and says, "I want, I want the guy. I, you know, basically help me get him. I want this fucker." 
Right. That yeah, he basically kind of joins the shit. Like, I need you. Like, yeah, are you right? Let's get this motherfucker. So he so he he joins the he basically yeah, he wants he wants Rico, Prago, and the judge. Right. Yeah, those are the three. So they um which is pretty cool. So what do they do well, next? I, I think they I mean I think it goes right into hunting down uh Rico, I think they uh, they already know where he's at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this is they cool because Rico, they yeah, they Rico's take him right the, to Rico's apartment. Ricky's uh, Rico, rather R- Rico is like lay, is sitting in bed. And he's got his like little hot little mama with him. That's it. Okay, so they get so Rico's there and he's kind of come on, baby, hurry up, you know. And she's in the bathroom like ah, I'm getting sexy for you. But so she comes out all dolled up in her little like cool little I don't know. She's got her. Little nighty kind of stuff on, uh, okay. you know, what do you want to call it? Lingerie. Lingerie thing. So she comes out and she's, you know, kind of like, eh, and he's like, yeah, come on, get in here. Come on, get in the bed. You know, ah, come on. You know, so he's ready to get busy. He's a skeezy like, bastard. <laughs> you know, so, so, okay. So this is, yeah, this is cool. So he's, you know, so they're setting that up. And then, um, uh, wait, before that happens, though, didn't, wait a minute. They, Aren't they waiting for? Don't they go and find? Don't they find Big Cheese first? Uh, yeah, it might, yeah, that might have happened next, or that might have happened. I can't remember if that happened next, or, or if that was uh, his sidekicks down. They're down by the water, and the dude's spoken. Oh, his that's right. That happens. That happens right and before Eddie Fred, gets out of jail. You, right. You see the fucker. You see the fucker. His partner, his driver, get blown away, and he actually gets blown into the water. And so they fucking do that, and then uh, and then the dude, Mister Big, uh, he's standing there looking at the guys like, "What the fuck?" And then you see fucking Fred Williamson. Yeah, because that's when he pulls the whole line. He's like, "Don't you know who I am?" And he's like, "You have any idea who I am?" And he's like, "Yeah, I know who you are." And then boom. And so he's kind of walking slowly toward him with the shotgun in his hand. And this is good, man, because he's like, he's like, you know. So he said, "Here, I got what you wanted. Here, take this." He throws the briefcase like, "Here, that's gonna," you know. He's like, "Uh." Uh-uh. You know, like, fuck you. So he cocks the shotgun. Yeah, and this is cool because now, yeah, they get him and he blows the fucking, the guy's in his trench coat. And he just fucking, and, and Nick just blows him all to hell. Just fucking right in the fucking, right in the middle. Uh, so he's fucking, so he you kills. some of that glorious, uh, I was going to say that slow motion that, uh, <laughs> well, Bill Lustig loves to use during his gore scenes. Yeah, I love that too. And he's so it's like a side shot of him, you know, kind of doubling over as he's gotten blown away. And then it goes to I was getting lost there. And then he, and then now, yeah, now I we're at, over that scene. I, I saw a lot of sequence. Right now, Eddie's out of jail, and he's why he's leaving prison. And and Rake uh, kind of gives him a send off, like you know, take a some. I don't know. Yeah, I said basically does like don't ever come back here. He's like, don't exactly. you ever come back here. So dude's heading out. He's got his bag of shit in a laundry bag or whatever, whatever, all his possessions. And uh, he's heading out. So now we got the big shots dead. This is where he finds Nick and those guys are playing ball. They're playing basketball. Yeah, and that's when he that's when he tells Nick that he wants to to find Rico. Right. They're out there and they're uh it's not basketball, they're they're playing 
Or is it basketball? Or are they playing uh, handball or something? Uh, well, there's there's kind of courts everywhere where they're playing like handball and and, and yeah, so they're all hanging out, just fucking, you know, just like you know, blowing up. It's almost like the play. YMCA. They're just kind of playing yeah. a little bit of here, there, and everywhere. They're at this nasty court. It's covered with graffiti. It's like this whole place is just nothing but you know vandalism. And uh, so and Nick's there. He's hanging out. Got a, he, he's just chilling out in his sweats and or whatever and he's got a towel and he's so he's been so he basically comes up and the guys are all kind of hanging around like seeing what fucking eddie's gonna do and then eddie you know he does what you say he's, he's they basically he's gonna join you know like he, he want they want to get him so they're all kind of happy so i think this is where they get rico they go to don't they now they go to don't they go to rico's apartment now yeah and that's when he's getting busy with his girlfriend and she's kind of Doing a little strip tease for him. Okay, it's it's night, but it's all four of them. It, it's it's Nick, Ramon, Burke, and Eddie all getting ready to storm the fucking apartment. Yeah, and they fucking and they go. They basically just kind of walk up to the building, and you know, Rico's in there. Think he's gonna get busy. And uh, but I love how they how they organize this because uh, if you pay close attention to, to it, Ramon is speaking Spanish. To, to Rico inside and doing it kind of in a falsetto yeah. kind of voice so he doesn't understand him. And Nick is standing there with his hand, the back of his hand pressed up against the, the peephole so he can't see out. So they're, they're, they, they kind of lull Rico into this like false sense right. of, you know, of uh, security where he has to open up the door. Right. That and, you know, right. He doesn't get, like get a gun and shoot through the door. He just opens it, you know, so fucking these dudes. So they come inside and, and, uh, I like the room the way it's set up. It's got like all these cool lights, and they got like this little roses <laughs> that light up. Well, and it's it's, it's cool. let's face it, Tom. It's it's a fuck den, right? It's a, it's a fuck den. That's what it is. <laughs> it's, it's cool. It looks cool. I mean, it looks all purple and those little. Oh yeah, I love the lights and shit. It's, it's just a, yeah. I mean, you know that I'm sure those sheets have seen a lot of action. Oh yeah, you wouldn't <laughs> want to shine a black light in that room. <laughs> uh, so anyway, they go in now. They're coming in, and again, it's another hallway with graffiti everywhere. You think to myself, "God, was this really New York everywhere? I mean, is this set up like this, or oh my God?" Because yeah, that was the, that was probably definitely at least the Bronx. I mean, you know, they're because they're, they're using like real locations. They're filming, and they're like, "God, this is so nasty." So they're knocking, and this is where uh, the uh, so yeah, they're doing the thing where uh, Ramon's talking to him. Rico gets up. He's all pissed off. You know, like, oh, I'm going to fucking, you know. So he opens the door, and then right, they're right in there. Now Rico's back on the bed like, hey. The girl, uh, Ramon's cool because, like, he's kind of giving her a break. He sets her into the bathroom like, hey, you know, get out of the way. Get your ass like, you in know, here. Stay in here and don't come out. <laughs> this doesn't have anything to do with you, sweetheart. You know, get out of here. So, you know, so. Well, Eddie so, kind of doesn't kill Rico right away. And he's like, you killed my son. And that's when uh, he shoots him in the arm and he's uh, or in the shoulder. It doesn't Rico start begging for his life and he gives up Prago right away. And then he finally gives him one in the chest. And then uh, so, you know, you think he drops the gun on the bed and you think everything's cool. Like he got him. And then the girl fucks up. Now I got to mention something about this stunt. What looks cool, but it's funny. She oh. goes to the door and she goes to shoot him and she hits. Uh, who does she hit? She hits one she of the guys. Ramon, or either Ramon or no, no, no. She hits Burke in the shoulder or in the back. Like it's just like a flesh wound, you know, or something. But she swings up. She should have just sat there, but she 
No, she eats Ramon. Because I remember he hits Is him. It in yeah, it's Ramon. And then fucking uh, Burke pulls the gun out. No, 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 no. Nick. Nick fucking shoots her. But remember the shot when she gets shot? You know, it's not a shotgun or anything. It's like it's just a pistol, which is bad enough, of course. Right, but right. But it sends her flying across the room like she got hit by a truck. It's funny because, you know, they put those cables or something on her, and like a stunt woman, and they fucking throw, throw her back all the way through the bathroom floor. She's like slaps into the tub. It's a great kill. But it's like funny because it's like it's like super like. Way too heavy of a caliber, like to blow her off her feet, like yeah, that. it's definitely not a 12 gauge or something, but <laughs> I mean, it looks cool. I love it, it's great. So she's in there, feet are hanging out, she's just kind of laying there, and you know, she knows she's dead. And and then Nick's kind of looking at her, and he looks over at Rico, and he picks the gun back up off the bed and takes it with him. That was the one that um Eddie had dropped on the bed, yeah. Which yeah. as soon as he did that, I was like, oh, that was a dumb move. Don't throw down your weapon, like, next to the body. Right. Hey, <laughs> That's the first place they're going to look is right next to the body. <laughs> they're going to get your fingerprints of nothing else. There's no DNA test, I guess, back yeah. then, but they're going to get fingerprints. Yeah, I mean, so, they were, you're just 24 hours fresh out of the joint. I'm sure they got, they got you on a short list. So they get the fuck out of there. Now the cops are in the hall, and our dude is back, the cop that knows about him. Yes, knows Steve James. Him. He knows what's going on, and uh, yeah, because he's talking to the cop that arrived on, on the scene. Yeah, and they're going back and forth, and he basically tells him like, "We know who did this, just like we know why it was done." So that goes back and forth, and then we go back. We're back. Uh, where am I going? Isn't that Eddie? Eddie goes back. I think he wants to. He goes back to see his wife. Yeah, he goes back to the hospital to see to see her, and they. This is the the gut punch of it. They won't let him in. Yeah, and it sucks because because you think it's sad because he's doing all this. She doesn't know that he's doing all this other stuff, but you know he lost his son too, and she's kind of like she just doesn't want to be bothered with him anymore. She doesn't want to see him, and it's kind of like oh, that's kind of fucked up. Like okay, I get it, you're upset, but Jesus Christ, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I, I remember when I wa had watched this earlier, not this past viewing for the review, you know, I always was just like, why is she treating him like this? It just doesn't make sense. But, you know, after watching it this time, you know, I, I kind of get it, like, especially when she pulls open her shirt and shows him all the scars she's got from where she was stabbed repeatedly. Right. I, I think this, what it is is people just, you know, you can't possibly blame her for what's happening. The way, what, way she's reacting is how she's dealing with the trauma and right. and and processing that grief. You know, everybody processes it different. So, I, I you know, I, I didn't kind of feel like before I was just like, oh, why is she treating him like this? Then I'm like, yeah, I kind of get it. You know, she's just processing it in her own way. No, and I get that. I was just kind of bummed out story-wise, kind of like, God, you know, it's like, Oh man, you know, like he's gone through enough, you know, like you, you went through enough, you know, I know she did, of course, but so did he, <laughs> it's like, I don't like, I don't know, it's kind of like, why are you leaving me, baby? You know, yeah. like, we, a, we still have each other, right? Like, fuck, we could move, I get it, we can move out of New York City, I'm okay with that, we go to Florida or fucking, you know, Kansas, I don't give a shit, let's get the fuck out of New York, you know, that's, but goddamn, so I feel bad for him, but. But I get it. I mean, I get it. I know why she did it. You know, I mean, it, it makes sense. So he's so now he's more heartbroken. Now he is the love of his life is gone. 
and he's left holding the bag. And uh, you know, it's it's there's not really there's nothing really nothing he can do. He's got a fucking so he's got he knows he's got more to do. And, yeah. And but now so, he now he's left to do it all alone. Right, and yeah, now he's you know you got to think he's thinking about her and where she's going and and uh, but now it gets pretty fucking hardcore though coming up, isn't it? The scene where the cops. They're kind of patrolling, and the gang is kind of holed up at some building or something. And yeah, they're patrolling the area. Uh, Gibbons, the the, the cop patrolman right. that uh, Steve James plays, is riding around shotgun with his partner, and they're just kind of shining a spotlight, looking here and there, you know, just doing just that, just patrolling the area. And they get ambushed. They get ambushed by Prago and the rest of the gang. Okay. There's a van or something pulls up, and they kind of block their their way. Their way. They're in the car. Yeah, they're in the so patrol they car. They're in the patrol car, and this van pulls up, and then basically the the side door opens up, and everybody in the gang, including that woman with the beret and the glasses, you know, you don't never know who she is. The, yeah, she never f- has a line of dialogue and never says anything, but she's always kind of there. Yeah, when the gang's there, she's there. And they basically they got like machine guns and shit, and they're just like, I mean, they just swish cheese. Yeah, I mean, it turns into Peck and Paul's Wild Bunch for a minute there. I mean, they a little bit overkill, a little bit overkill. Yeah, I mean, they they get them. I mean, it's just fucking crazy. So they they just blast these guys the kingdom come, and uh, you know, so it's 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 pretty hardcore. Once again, Steve James does not live to the end of our movie. Right. He never does. He never, I I love him as an actor, but nine times out of 10, he does not make it to the end of the movie. He's one of those guys, he's kind of like Sean Bean, you know, like every, you see him in a movie, you can pretty much guarantee that he's, he's not going to make it. I'd be all right with that though. Being in these cool movies, like, all right, I'll, you can kill me. That's cool. All right. I'll die. Yeah. I love having a good death scene. I'd be down for it too. They have a cool scene. I remember in this scene too, I I mentioned Prago's smile. They kind of end the scene where Prago's just sitting there in the driver's seat, and he's, he's got that shit-eating grin on his face again. Yeah, and, and that, like, half a millisecond before they yeah. start turning the car into Swiss cheese. Yeah, and then they look at the I end. love that pause, because, yeah. like, uh, Gibbons, Steve James's character, just all he gets out is, he all he says is the word, oh, God, and then, boom, that everything just starts, you know, so, get, like, so, raining bullets. Yeah, so it's bad, and then even at the end, he's, he's Prago's smiling, and then you got the shot of them all bloody in the seats with the eyes open, all fucking just completely slaughtered, and uh, it's pretty bad. It's like, god damn, man, fuck these guys. Oh, so now we're back. Uh, it's morning time. Marino is packing like he's in the kitchen, and he looks like he's throwing shit in a box or something. He's kind of packing up the house and. Kind of doesn't really know what he's doing. Like, like yeah, he looks he looks pretty lost. Like he's uh, he's throwing bowls and shit into a box. Like you know, and Nick shows up and Lena. I love the up. line he says. Has look at this ten years of my life and all I got is all this plastic shit. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that too because it's like yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Your Tupperware. Right. Yeah, you know? ten years later, that's what your life has res- right. resulted Tupperware to. Tupperware, some frying pans, and you know. Frying pans, Tupperware, and doilies. That's all you got. And some fucking funky fucking 
glasses that you got when when you filled up with gas after eight gallons. Remember, they used to give you glasses. I don't know if you remember that, but I, <laughs> yeah, those like glasses you, they would give away in the Burger King in the Burger King drive-through. Right, you know, if you or the gas stations always did that. You filled up with gas, you got a free glass with like your local sports team on it, whoever you know. We used to have L.A. Rams glasses when I was a little kid. We had nice, nice L.A. Rams drinking glasses, you know, from whatever gas station my mom filled up. And but anyway, uh, so uh, uh, Nick is basically trying to straighten them out. Like, look, you know, like he gets it, but it's like you know they got. You know, he's kind of explaining, trying to explain to him and trying to work it out. And like, I don't know, he's trying to trying to help him, but also like kind of recruit him, him the, recruit him like, hey, you know, look, we need, you know, you can leave. But what the fuck difference? He has a really cool thing about. So what do we do? We all go run away and run to the mountain. Then what do we do? It's like I know I'm paraphrasing, but he basically says, then what happens when they all look up at the mountain and now they want the mountain? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, because he says we climb up on some high mountain. He's like, what do we do when they look up and they want that too? It's like kind of like, yeah, yeah, no shit. Like, you know, like there's no getting away from it. We either stop them or they're going to take it all. Literally, I mean, they are. Right, know? right. They're just taking it bit by bit. Right. So it's pretty cool. You know, it's kind of sad. And, but it's like he's he, so, but anyway, Eddie's driving away. And, he's and that's got, well, that's the last time we see Nick too, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Nick's this is done now. It's over, so you think. And then uh, Eddie's in his van, his work van or whatever, his little kind of a funky old van, and he's just driving. Everybody's it. got a funky old van except for the hammer. And the, everybody Williamson is the only one without a fucking <laughs> a shitty van. He had to he had to drive in some nice Caprice. Right, right. So, uh, so fucking basically. He runs in. It's kind of like the scene from uh, Pulp Fiction where what's his yeah. face? And they, he pulls Marcellus up. Wallace pulls out in front of Bruce Willis. Willis it's kind of the same thing. You got Prago looking in like, what, man, what you doing? And, uh, he yells at him or says something to him. I forget what it is. And then fucking, you know, and then you see Eddie like all of a sudden sets Eddie off like motherfucker. So he goes, pull, he kind of pulls around like he's going to get. And then he can't get out of the door on the passenger side. So he jumps out of the driver's side. And he basically he runs after Prago, and Prago takes off running, right? So he's like, so now it's it. Fuck it. Yeah, because the minute Prago, like, notices, like, oh, there's just that moment where you can tell that he recognizes who this is, and he's like, I better run. Fuck out of here. So it's pretty cool. They got a, some more car action here that's actually really cool. Prago jumps in this car, and he, like, he's stuck kind of from the parking situation. So he's like, reverse smashes in the car forward smashes into the car in front reverse smashes into that car and then the guy runs out what are you doing to my fucking car you know and so yeah, he, yeah. so he, he steals in, his car a little Datsun or something Datsun 240z my brother dave had one of them just like that car back then a oh, sporty little car yeah it was cool man he had one of those and it was that that same color the same brown and uh and um I like how he says, this is your car, huh? Give me the key. Give me the fucking keys. And he just steals his car, like, right he's there. The he's like, hey, he stole my car. So he's like, yeah, I'll move Eddie, it for you. And he starts Eddie laughing as he drives out. away. So Eddie jumps in the other car, and he's taking, and he, he starts chasing him. So that's a cool, this is a cool chase scene. Well, yeah, you know, because it goes from on foot to in a car to back to on foot again for a bit and then to another car. 
you know, and th- then when, when when Eddie shows up, he steals Prago's car, which is that old, like, beat-up old Chevelle. He's in that thing, and he's chasing him. And I like it because staying on, on character, man, staying in character the whole, the whole fucking time, man. Fucking Prago turns the radio on so he can hear some jams. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, and he starts, he just starts laughing. He just turns on the music. He's just he's like, having a good time. He's having a good time, and he's and he's listening to the fucking music. And he's like, just like trying to get away because you know he's got to get away. But you know he's gonna have some tunes going at the same time. So they're, they're so they're going through these really nasty streets of New York, like just gritty ass fucking shit. And there's like, and it moves very fast, you know, for such a. Small production with not a very, you know, I'm going to assume that this did not have a very large budget, but they do a lot of setups. It's it's not a sped up film. It doesn't, at least it doesn't appear to be that way. You know, it's not like an impossible, like Fast and the Furious type car chase. It's It's very realistic. And it's not just chasing down the street. They they have the, like when the cop car pulls out with the lights on, they're going to go chase Prago. And then Eddie accidentally hits the car, the cop car. I mean that's a pretty cool stunt in itself, and he I like the kind it. of realism of it. He ha- he literally has t- trouble trying to start the car again. He like loses control of it and everything. Right. So he's in this fucked up Chevelle or whatever it is, and he's chasing. Now he's back on it, and this thing's really is fucked up. He's trying. Oh to, yeah. You know he's and he's barreling down the road, and fucking yeah, it's it's all smashed in. The hood's fucking crumpled. The yeah. fenders hanging and, off. <laughs> it's like he fucking smashed, really smashed into that cop car, or a stuntman did. And fuck, yeah, I got to hand it to him for having some really, really good stunt work in this. Yeah, and then you know, and then Eddie's back in it, fucking looking for this dude. And then, and the is- thing is, what I like is that Eddie. Is, I made a note here. Eddie has some good tracking skills because he loses sight of Prago several times. But you know, where he's got a choice, where I can make a left here, or did he go a right here? Hey. You know, maybe it was all just chance and the way they wrote it in the script, but I thought it was just like he just made the right choice and it's ended up like, you know, finding him. I, I thought that was uh, it was just really well orchestrated. I like it because, yeah, he's not just right behind him chasing him the whole time. He's actually looking for him. He's hunting him and he can't find him at first, but he keeps going around the right and he runs into him again. So it's great. It's fucking killer. And you're right. Yeah, it's it's a great it's a great. Eddie Car. didn't know it, but he had some uh, he had some some great tracking skills there. Right. It kind of plays off like a little bit. It felt a little bit like French Connection, you know, that kind of inner city car chase. Yeah, totally. A little especially bit that in the especially the setting, you know, yeah. under those bridges and those roads and shit. But it's cool because now Prago he's he thinks he's got it free and clear. He smashes into a car that's backing out of a driveway or something or something. He smashes the fuck out of the out of the two forty Z. And it's yeah, all smashing into another and, and and fucking up another beautiful Cadillac. Right, right. You know these big ass beautiful cars that we wish we'd owned now. <laughs> right. Back then you could buy them for like three hundred bucks. You know, it was like no big deal. And uh, and so uh, so in, uh, Eddie's in, still in the car, and they're in like a quarry or something. They're he's he's chasing the fuck out of them, and eventually uh, he he. Uh, I forget what happens with the car. I think he just fucking gets out and he just starts running after. Well, he, he's they're in like the quarry. He and he corners them to where like uh, he's running at the top of this like hill of dirt and sand and whatnot. And he rides the car up there about as far as he can go, and he just gets out and just starts chasing them on foot. Yeah, yeah, and it's cool. It, it, yeah, this is a this is a cool this is a cool scene because 
because now Prego, and, you know, he kind of makes the mistake of going upstairs because you, you never really get away. And so he's running up these steps. Classic slasher film tro- in a way, right. trope. Exactly. So he's never fun- run upstairs. Right. And, well, that's what he did. And now they're kind of going through the, the, ca- the scaffolding. They're kind of like, they're, there's machinery and shit. And it's kind of really cool, like, like views of the building looking out over the yeah it's a very industrial type area this has got you know is place ripe for, with locations for something like a chase scene like this and they don't drag the fight out much he does eventually corner him on like this bit of scaffolding where there's a rail and he just kind of i forget what he says to him but he grabs him and he basically picks up kind of throws yeah they, they only like scrap for a bit and he goes he just says to him simply he's like you killed my son Right. And I think Prago says something to the, like, he says, fuck him. He's like, don't go oh, ahead. Yeah. Don't mean shit to me. Right. Yeah. So he throws him off and then you see Prago, he's laying down at the bottom and, you know, it looks like his skull splatted open. It's, it's, you know, like they just got like blood and, and like there's shit in the blood, like maybe his brains or something. I don't know what it is, but he's just kind of laying there for, a, and they showed up for a couple of seconds. And then, I, I had read in the trivia that they shot that twice because William Lustig did not like how the blood looked. So he went to the craft services table, mixed up some jelly and some like sour cream or cream cheese up together to make the fake brains and then splattered it on the ground again. He says, now, nah, yeah, well, that looks right. <laughs> well, that explains it because it looks like there's like shit in it. You yeah, know, it looks like, you know, like the your skull cracked open and there it is. But this is pretty cool. Now we're basically at the last scene. It cuts the nighttime. You see the last asshole on the list. Uh, he goes in there and he's coming out of the building. Uh, it's the judge. The judge is going to his car. It's nighttime. There's nobody really around. And you see Eddie in his car and he's got like, he's holding something in his hand. He picks it up and it's basically like whatever, an ex- something, something with a switch on it. Yeah, a little remote control box. He like, he like flips the switch and then the car, and it must have been a windy night there because that car when it blows up, it looks really cool because the flames are like flying out of it kind of sideways. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't really, the flames don't erupt and go straight up into the air. Like they're whipping out t- towards the right because, it, like you said, it must have been a high wind. Yeah, and it looks cool though because you see the fucking smoke going and then he, and then Eddie just drives off, uh, you know, into the smoke and drives away and that's it. And they, he, you know, that's that's he got the last motherfucker that he yeah, wanted. Now, did you know that uh, there was an alternate, uh, not so much an alternate ending as there was, um, as there was, um, like in the credits, like at the end, like and in, in theatrical and home video prints that were made for overseas, that there was a. Uh, a, a foreword or, or, you know, a prologue or not prologue, an epilogue that says that um, Eddie ended up getting caught by the police. Like, this is only for foreign prints. I've never actually seen this, but it was basically something in this essence that said Eddie got caught, ended up spending the rest of his life in Sing Sing prison and paid for his crimes of killing the judge and everybody. But that was only included in foreign prints. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Which wow. I don't know. I I I don't I think, think it, don't, it it needed that. I don't think I, don't think I like that. <laughs> yeah, me either. Yeah, me I, either. I want Eddie just to drive off. If he got caught, hey, 
whatever. I don't need to know that. As far as I know, he killed the judge and he got in the van and drove off. And as far as I know, he's sitting on a beach somewhere drinking a Mai Tai. You know, as, I don't, well, I don't, as well he should be, you know. You know, no, I didn't. I, I wouldn't now. Nah, that's, I don't know. Fuck that. If, I, if I'd have been, that was my movie, I'd have said, hey, you fuckers. You know, no, take that out of there. You know, I, yeah. you know I, I, oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure back then uh, there were some unscrupulous uh, contracts made up in some of those foreign markets. They were able to do whatever they wanted to that, that final cut. Right. So, nah. Yeah, but uh, it's a it's a satisfying ending because right up in the end, you think, well, he's he's got Prago. That's the last last of them. But then you forget the judge. The only thing they left open ended that and I would have thought like. This is just one loose end to, to leave out is Eisenberg, uh, Joe Spinell's character. The fact right. that he was paid off, too, we, we, we never really see him since he's kind of the slimiest character of the, you know, the uh, the system bunch. I thought about that. I also thought about, like, some of the other gang members, you know, that 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 are still left alive. That's it's kind of like you wanted him. You wanted them all to get killed, and then you think about it, and you think, well, honestly, even though we're watching a movie and it's not real life, in real life, like, not everybody, some people do get away, like the attorneys, and like, you know, like, some of the people that deserve it, like, some people do get away. So he got the people that he needed to get, but some people that were guilty are still guilty, and there's and they lived, like, you know, and you can think maybe they got, but yeah, I agree. Spinell needed it too. He should have got it. He yes, Spinell. Like to me, like I, I would have ended it. This is me coming at it from a writer's mind. Like I would have had the prosecutor and the judge like talking some sort of deal, you know, like where they where they were talking about, ah, we got another one, you know, got another payoff. What a night! And then they both get blown up. That yeah, would have been that would have been satisfying. Absolutely, you know. But it is what it is, you know, and it's a. They could have had something Weasley, like a Weasley attorney running away and then running out like Pinkies he got away. He runs out in the street, gets hit by a car, you know, like or something. They could have, you know, a truck or something. And, you know, you see a nice truck death where, you know, his fucking Spinell's body parts go flying all over the place. That would have been, that would have been fun, you know, looking, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, that was how they ended it. you know, we, we got to live with the ending they gave us. Yeah, that's all right with me. It was cool. I, I was good with that. <laughs> Well, that being said, let's get into our final thoughts and reviews. And you know better than anybody. Guess go first and rating on a scale from one to ten, Tom. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this uh, an eight point five. Um, I, I think it's 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 a really good movie. I love it. Um, I I pro- I would have liked to seen a little bit more gore. I know there was gore with that with the kid. Um, I, I think I personally. I kind of wished like Horace got killed <laughs> and and maybe even Blue Boy, you know, could have got killed or at least maimed really bad. Like I kind of wish, it, but that I don't hold that against the movie. I just, you know, it's it, it but I hold it in high regard because I, I love these kind of movies, the revenge movies. You could call them vigilante movies. It's still a revenge movie. Somebody got fucked over and the good guy fucking turned into a bad guy and went after him. Even though he's still a good guy, you know he fucking and so you know it. So I, I I'd say an eight 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 point five on this. I usually don't give point somethings. It's either an eight or a nine, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do what Cameron does and do a point something. 
Yeah, I'm going to give it an 8.5. I I love the movie. I I could watch this movie anytime. It's it's good. It's it's good. It's great. The the period of time it took place in, it just reminds me of all those movies back then, the grittiness. I love those movies we watch. A lot of them are like that. They got the grittiness in New York. You can't beat it. The graffiti, this the the nastiness of the streets, the buildings. It just it lends to the whole feeling of the movie, the whole mood of it. The characters in this movie, characters in this movie are great. I love them all. How do you not, you know, how do you not like Fred Williamson and, and fucking Robert Forrester and all the other cast of characters? They're character them personally, you know, you got your Joe Spinells and stuff. It's like, my God, you know, they got some fucking great actors in this movie and it was and and it was good to see you know and their characters are great they're in the why they're great is why they're great in this movie you know they 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 play their characters well you feel for them you know the ones you're supposed to hate you really fucking hate the guy you feel for you really feel for and you're pulling for uh william lustig again he, he delivered a fucking gritty fucking violent movie that that's why we watch him you know we like we like that shit Yep, yep, and uh, and it was good. So I love this movie. I'd watch it again anytime. That'd be one of those movies I would just, I would definitely. I haven't watched it in many years, but looking back on it, I'm so glad you suggested it because when you did, I was like, oh yeah, you know, like I, there's so many movies I can't even remember. I could go down and try to think of shit you asked me, and then you like say something like, hey, how about vigilante? I was like, oh fuck yeah, like, <laughs> even though I wouldn't have thought of it, yeah, you did, and that's all that matters. Yeah, you know, I have to thank Tubi on that one. It, it it suggests a lot of stuff in my inbox that I'm just like, you know, yeah, like that's that's that that is what I want to watch next. I didn't know I had to watch it until you suggested it. Well, that's it. That's how I feel on that one. And again, it's you guys. If if you haven't seen it, I'm gonna say this: if you're into these kind of movies, you'll be into this movie. You'll like it. Uh, go out, rent it on Tubi. Like like Cameron said, it's free. Get on there and watch it. And if you really like it, buy it on Amazon. You can get a copy on Blu-ray for like seventeen ninety-nine. Get it, you know, get it. I'm sure it may may have like some special shit on it, maybe some special features, but uh, I don't know. But yeah, fucking watch it. Uh, it's good. It's it's a good movie, and uh, and I enjoyed it. It was it entertained the hell out of me, and I loved all the characters, and and this was this this was a lot of fun. And that, yeah. that's all. That's all. That's all I need to say on that. Um, I agree with you on a lot of levels. I'm coming in slightly higher than you. I know usually you uh, come in a little higher than me and did the 8.5. I'm going to come in at an even 9.09. All right, all right. Yeah, cool. I. this is one of the my more favorite ones. Um, I really love Robert Forrester. I love Fred the Hammer Williamson and a lot of the, the supporting cast and, and uh, the crew. You know, uh, Ruth Jan... Rutania, I'm probably mispronouncing her name. Alda, who plays Vicky Marino, I, lo- I love her. She's a great character actress. And there's a little uh, bit of trivia is that her and Richard Bright, that played Burke, uh, acted in one of my favorite movies. Totally different type of film, but The Ref, Christmas comedy with uh, Dennis Leary. They end up playing uh, lovers in that movie. Oh, all right. Cool. Yeah, like 15 years later, you know, uh, I was just digging through the cast and whatnot and recognized him. I'm like, that guy looks like he's from the ref. Oh, she's from the ref, too. But anyway, one of my favorite Christmas comedies, but cool. off, off subject. But anytime, you know, you got Robert Forrester in a movie, it's definitely getting a thumbs up for me. If you got Fred the Hammer Williamson, it's got two big thumbs up for me. I, uh, I, it's It's gritty. It's rough around the edges. It gives you that great, gritty 
dank, um, this graffitied look at like the late seventies, early eighties, uh, New York before, you know, things got cleaned up a little bit. Uh, but you know, you got people like Woody Strode, Joe Spinell, uh, Frank Pesci, Steve James. It's got a great, great supporting cast. You know, and for, you know, the follow-up to Maniac, I think, you know, maybe, you know, the reason why the gore was a little toned down, that maybe they, he maybe uh, Lustig wanted to shy away a bit from that just a little bit since the gore is way over the top in Maniac. But I can forgive it for that. You know me, I'm a gore hound much as you are. I want to I want to see the on on screen violence. I, I want to s- see the blood and the gore. I love practical effects and how they can a- accomplish that. But I can forgive it for that one. There's not much that I don't like about this movie. You know, it is aged pretty well. You know, it is a sign of the times when, uh, you know, opinions like the ones that they have in this movie about the system and how things are severely broken and whatnot are still very poignant today. Right. (laughs) But it's a great movie. And William Lustig is one of my favorite exploitation style directors and you know, I can't think of really of a movie of his that I've seen that I haven't loved. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's just great. It's great on every level. But, yeah, and even Nine, this was a great, great time revisiting this one. And this is one that I just own on uh, VHS. But I may have to one day, like, upgrade to a DVD or Blu-ray. I'm sure there's a special edition out there somewhere. Hell, William Lustig's own uh, Blue Underground entertainment probably it might as uh released a version of it i don't know but that would be right. interesting to check out but yeah i'm i definitely gotta like add this one to the more of an get an updated version of it to my collection because i can see watching this again pretty soon oh yeah absolutely without a doubt well folks that being said i think we'll call this episode of uh grindhouse pizzeria to a close we welcome you again. Uh, we, well, we thank you once again for uh, joining us for another couple hours, us talking uh, violence and blood and mayhem. And, uh, you know, we always uh, in- enjoy bringing these movies to you and revisiting them for you. And I know Tom probably enjoys mo- well, enjoys them as much as I do. And I, I appreciate you. I know you're busy. I know you got an album you're recording. You got stuff you just finished filming. You got a busy June. Yeah, we got a lot. I'm in the middle of working on that stuff and then working on some new songs and some stuff with uh, Batman Boys. So, yeah, I definitely got a full schedule. I'm going to be going out to Los Angeles here soon and hooking up with with my boys and recording some stuff. So, yeah, I'm very excited. Good. good. Looking forward to it. Now, is this going to be like stuff that we can listen to sometime soon or is this going to take a little while? The uh, well, there's kind of a part one and part two. So the first stuff we're doing, that's going to be out first. And then we got some other stuff we'll be releasing later on, either in the year or beginning of next year. But the first stuff you'll you'll hear this year probably within, I'm going to guess, probably within a few months. Good, good, so, good. I need some well, new shit to listen to, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're ready. We're really excited about it, man. It's been a long time coming. We we haven't been, uh, been in a reunion shit. I don't know. It was back in 2012 or something. It's been a long time. So we're... We're ready to get back in the studio and ready to hang out and jam again, and I'm looking forward to it. So it's very exciting. Right on, right on. Looking forward to hearing some some of your new stuff, man. I always I love the Bad Town Boys stuff. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Well, again, thank you for coming on. I know, like I said, it's busy time for you, so I appreciate you taking a couple hours out of your day to not only watch the movie but to, you know, talk shop about it with me. We'll always love having you here. 
Well, it's always a pleasure, Cameron. Thank you very much. I love doing these shows. And, uh, you know, I love watching these movies and prepping for them. And it's always a good time. And, again, thanks for having me. It's part of the Grindhouse Pizzeria and Cinnamon Degeneration. This is this is great fun for me. And, uh, and I really love doing these shows. And I thank you very much, sir. All right. Well, thank you. And, folks, thank you, as always, for your patronage and listening. And keep on tuning in because we ain't stopping anytime soon. a day on our streets. There are over two million illegal guns in this city. Man, that's enough guns to invade a whole damn country with. They shoot a cop in our city without even thinking twice about it. Now, come on. I mean, you guys ride the subway. How much more of this grief we're gonna stand for? How many more locks we gotta pull our goddamn doors? Now, we ain't got the police, the prosecutors, the courts, Because you know the punks and the scum on the street when the sun goes down and our own government can't protect its own people, then I say this, pal. You got a moral obligation, the right of self-preservation. Now you can run, you can hide, you can start to live like human beings again. This is our Waterloo, baby. You want your city back? You gotta take it. Dig it. Take it.